Well, the central government this week finalized its new plan to fund infrastructure, lease old assets like roads and ports and transmission lines, and use that money to fund new projects. What has been less discussed so far is the state's angle. Part of the grand asset monetization plan is to incentivize state governments to follow suit. States will get matching funds if they completely disinvest in a state PSU. 50% of the funds they realize if they list a PSU on a stock exchange and they get 33% of the money they realize if they lease an asset. I'm now joined by Pranivel Thyagarajan, the Finance Minister of Tamil Nadu, for his reactions. Of course, uh, the state of Tamil Nadu is also in the news because it has just announced its budget. And uh, they are also going to uh, moot a new bill to exclude the state from the National Common Medical Entrance Exam, NEET. But first, of course, disinvestment. Uh, Dr. Tyagarajan, I'm much obliged uh, that you have agreed to speak with us. Thank you very much. Uh, well, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. First up, uh, you know, you're both a finance expert and a policymaker yourself. What's your overall view of this national asset monetization plan? Good idea to find new money for CapEx? Actually, let me start from my own book and then I maybe have some views at the national level. So as far as Tamil Nadu is concerned, uh, we are not in this mode at all. I think no. I've had this conversation multiple times before. Okay. Unlike uh, the union, Tamil Nadu actually has uh, very easily liquidatable uh, market valuable assets. Okay. But as I've said multiple times before, my concern is not as much about money or liquidity mm -hmm. as it is about the, the structural soundness of how the government operates. Okay. And uh, I have detailed the decay in a white paper that we released on the 9th of August yes. and explained how there are such structural problems and weaknesses, at least quantitatively, and that's a built-up problem. Mm -hmm. I'll go one step further and say that in, in an ongoing operational problem, I don't have the comfort that we are able to execute uh, the intent with which we spend money in terms of getting it out at the end. As many have pointed out, when we gave the 4,000 rupees per ration card mm. uh, in two tranches of 2,000 in fulfilling our election promise, mm. uh, many, in, uh, not not uh, not a one or two, but several instances of wrongful delivery of that money happened. Okay. We don't have good enough data to know who should be the real beneficiaries and who, you know, those roles have not been cleaned up. So there are many examples, mm. but my primary concern is that uh, I want to fix the system to some level of stability, the platform, the quality of the data, the checks and balances, the audit, uh, you know, parameters, and then we can worry about how and what we need to raise. So for the foreseeable future, we have no interest in any asset sales, even though we have easily liquidatable assets unlike what the union has just described mm. in, in the finance uh, minister, honorable minister statement yesterday. Okay. Okay. So you're not going to be a, part, a party to this uh, asset monetization. Your priorities are something else. But uh, just a word before Sorry, I... Sorry, can, can I just add... Yeah, sure. Can I just add Go one ahead. thing though? Uh, after I got the list of questions from you, I checked with my finance secretary. Yes. And neither he nor I signed off on this, but apparently earlier in the year, between January and March, uh, there had been some contact from the union government asking, are there things that you would be willing to uh, uh, list under this program? Okay. And some response was sent about some bus stands and some things like that. I don't know. But it was clearly not a pol policy decision. Uh, the finance secretary was not party to it. Uh, even the old finance minister was not party to it. And after that, we've had an election and regime change. 
So I, I don't want to uh, deny the fact that there had been some communication. So mm. should you find it, that's the explanation. Okay, no, fair enough. Uh, the uh, What we heard from the Niti CEO was that uh, 26 nodal officers were appointed in various states. Exactly right. So yeah. uh, I assumed that uh, uh, you know Tamil Nadu also had a nodal officer interacting with the state government, with the central government. Yeah, but but if, what you're if, saying... if you don't mind, yes. yeah, if you don't mind, this is an example of the kind of failure of systems that I'm talking about. Okay. Surely, uh, a major policy decision like whether something should be sold or not sold, or whether we are in the disinvestment game, mm. should have been taken with the input of the political leadership. We are a democracy. Yes. Nodal officers, as IAS officers, don't get to make such important decisions yes. based on you know their perceptions. Mm. So th this is one of the ways the system fails, is that there's not enough connectivity between the people elected by the citizens who are elected to do this job and the mechanics of how these things work. These are some of the things we want to fix. Okay. No, that's a fair point. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Finance Minister, uh, just to continue with this point about, uh, you know, centre-state relations, the Finance Minister also said that they have set aside 5,000 crores this year itself and a larger amount last year, uh, whereby you, they, are, they want to provide matching funds to uh, the uh, state governments, provided it is used for capex and uh, uh, disinvestment. So even last year, uh, you were not uh, party to it. You were not willing to disinvest. Was there any conflict? Yeah, no, no, it was not even disinvestment. The, the, the terms of the loan uh, are, are relatively, uh, uh, I won't say onerous, but relatively strict mm. for relatively little money. Okay. They are long-term loans uh, of relatively, by our standards, little money. The, our, our allocation would have been the maximum of something like 500 crores out of a three lakh and change budget uh, and crores uh, budget that we're looking at. And it was a long-term loan with no ability for early repayment and some other things that would bind us. And as you know, this uh, this union government for the last two, three years mm -hmm. has started invoking the, uh, you know, 293 of the constitution mm -hmm. that we cannot borrow externally without their pre-approval as long as we owe them money. Mm -hmm. So the cost-benefit trade-off of taking such small loans for such long terms without any uh, option for early repayment and with the additional conditions that it would involve mm. just didn't make sense even to the previous government and so we are continuing that policy no, we're not going to avail of, uh, of any of that ourselves your logic is absolutely crystal clear sir uh, it, it, uh, a lot of observers of public finance were surprised that a 50-year non-interest bearing loan of all of 500 crores is given purely to perhaps keep the center uh, give the center the initiative of under Section 293? Is that your reading? No, I, I'm not ask, asking any aspersions. I'm just saying that based on the available data to us, it didn't make sense to us and we didn't do it. They may have done it for different reasons. Mm. I don't know. I don't want to cast aspersions on others' motives. No, but uh, the, the philosophy of uh, uh, the central government uh, imposing conditions, after all, even previously when borrowing was increased, the uh, one nation, one ration card was one of the conditions imposed, as well as power sector reforms. Uh, your comments on the, the the one nation, one ration card itself, because I think Tamil Nadu has a fairly decent ration card system, PDS system. Yeah, I, yeah you know, I think uh, I, in general, I'm against this rationale for homogeneity as the basis of raising standards, right? Mm -hmm. the homogeneity will lower the standards for some people like us. 
There's a bigger problem. In, in Tamil Nadu, we have seven types of ration cards, depending on the economic status and depending on you know, what they get for free, what they get for cost and all that. If we go to one nation, one ration card, what does that mean? Do we have to give seven types of non-Tamil Nadu ration cards? Okay. In Tamil Nadu, we supply rice and kerosene and sugar and some stuff. In, uh, in Uttar Pradesh, I'm sure they supply wheat because mm. most people eat wheat. So if I show up with a uh, Tamil Nadu card in Uttar Pradesh, will they have enough rice to give me? Vice versa, if I show up in Tamil Nadu with a Uttar Pradesh card, will we have enough wheat supplies to deliver? So there's all these complexities, right? Like I, I think uh, uh, it is overly simplistic to say one nation, one X. I pointed out at the GST council that I attended after saying one nation, one tax, Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Honorable Union Finance Minister was a bit reprimanding of me when I said something about small state. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 20 minutes later, six different states says, we are a small state, we cannot sign up for the ease of doing business of allowing small mm-hmm. uh, below five pro members to, file only, uh, to pay only every three months. We can't manage the liquidity risk. Mm-hmm. So that is the reality of the world. The reality of the world, the condition varies based on your economic situation, your size, your scale, the nature of your taxpayers, the nature of your industry, etc., so this attempt at homogenization for the sake of homogenization has serious negative consequences that people need to understand. Mm-hmm. Yes, I suppose there is a reason why certain subjects are state subjects and trying to homogenize perhaps is not a good idea. But uh, in that context, your fiscal deficit is 4.33% uh, in the budget last announced. Uh, that will mean that uh, you will have to implement uh, power sector reforms so as to avail of that extra uh, borrowing. Uh, are you confident of that? Yeah, I, I think that's why we, we feel like actually if you take that, uh, you know, the three was enhanced to four by the uh, 15 Finance Commission's yes. recommendation. From the four to four and a half, there were certain conditions around the power sector reforms, but they were very granular. Mm. For this, you get 10 basis points. For this, you get 10. For this, you get... And it's, it's, it's very specific yes. conditions. And we feel confident that we can uh, do the reforms required to go up to 4.35. Mm. So we made sure that we stayed within the 4.35 mm. uh, in both our spending. And we had some difficult decisions to make. For example, we have deferred the, the DA increases um, uh, to next April. So, you know, there were difficult decisions to make, but uh, we made it in a way uh, after we were fairly confident that we are eligible to go up to 4.35, and so we ended up at 4.33. Okay, but did you have to uh, execute some, uh, or will have to still execute some power sector reforms? Uh, when we broke up your uh, uh, revenue streams, you actually have yeah. increased your taxes and duties on electricity. Uh, will you have to do more of that to comply? Yeah, it was not on the remote. Uh, it was not on the consumers, as you can imagine. It yes. was on the wheeling charge, yes. and it, actually, we were not doing it so much to raise revenue. We were doing it partially for reform, but we were doing it largely to have a level playing field, okay. because the way the the taxes were set up, uh, it was actually against uh, the interests of people to buy from TNEB, and better for them to buy on third party market and uh, interstate the grid. So it was more an interest of okay. uh, leveling the playing field okay. that we did that. It was relatively minor changes, but we did that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, uh, Dr. Tagarajan, uh, what's your sense about uh, the uh, reduction in uh, the uh, state VAT on petrol? Do you think this example will be followed? What was the rationale behind it? Uh, was it only to make life easier for consumers or also to prove a point to the centre? 
Actually, I didn't contemplate. I, I must admit there are some things we are quite uh, uh, prescient about, some things we don't pay much attention to. In retrospect, we should have. It never occurred to me to think about the center. Uh, I was an opposition MLA for the last five years. And twice in the last five years, the ADMP government raised the VAT on petrol and diesel. Yes. And both times we opposed it. And I spoke against it in the assembly. I said, you're, you're basically setting up for one of two problems. Mm. Either... Uh, you're going to increase input costs and potential inflation and have some negative drag on the economic uh, activity because, you know, this is used by fishermen and farmers and yes. uh, and uh, logistics. And so you're, you're increasing the cost. Mm. Or worst case, even worse than that, is that you're going to increase the cost now after the oil cycle has started to turn. At least union government started raising the taxes when the uh, uh, crude oil fell from 120, 130 That's down right. to 2030. By the time the Tamil Nadu government started to raise, it was on the back cycle up to yes. 40, 50. And there was a very high likelihood it continued to grow as it did in, eventually. So at that point, I said, what if you end up with, and I, I was, I guess, a bit prescient. I said, what if you end up with 100 rupee uh, fuel pump uh, nice. uh, prices for a liter? At that point, you'll have to cut. You don't have any choice because people are not going to be able to bear the load of that. And then your budget calculations will go for a whack. So in, I was prescient in both ways. So when we came to power and the chief minister said that, you know, these are the range of things we have to fulfill, A, B, C, D, E. And he said, that I'm very keen about uh, petrol and diesel. And we did some analysis. We looked at, though we, we don't have full data from the oil marketing companies, uh, we were very clear that the greatest direct impact would come from petrol because 2.6 crore bike owners or something are there in India, registered mm -hmm. bikes are there in India. And all of them would feel the benefit immediately. And uh, in diesel, we increase the subsidy to the fishermen through the fisheries department. We increase the subsidy to the transport corporations through the transport department. We uh, gave private bus operators a uh, 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 okay. deferral of tax payment to reduce the cost. And because we have been in full or partial lockdown for different periods of time, in fact, at the time we did it, the bus was still not running. So we thought some combination of all these uh, in a kind of benefit to cost, uh, cost being lost revenues trade-off, this would be the right thing. Mm. And just to see what was happening, I set up for the day I announced the cut uh, on the chief minister's instruction on the 13th, I started uh, trying to aggregate the data from the, the oil marketing companies. Yes. And I think on the 16th, when I gave my response to the budget debate, I pointed out that volumes had gone up by 12%. Now, you oh. know, it's not a good comparison. Okay. Four days does not, uh, you know, prove enough definition. And the theory is that prices should be inelastic. I mean, you know, oil or petrol demand should be relatively inelastic, Absolutely. at least on the way up. That is what economic theory says. But in practice, we had two variables here. One, it was on the way down, not on the way up. Mm. And also, these are not normal times. You know, people yeah. are really stretched down to their last dollar. A lot of people have lost their savings. So every 100 rupees or 200 rupees, 300 rupees makes a difference. So uh, we were hopeful that we would see some uptick in activity because mm. people don't just go and fill petrol because it's cheaper, right? Yes. They still have to do something with Economic it. Economic So if they're actually filling more petrol, it means that they're either traveling more, shopping, more, mm. going to work more, going further. So we expected to see some kind of multiplier effect. And I was uh, quite surprised, very pleasantly, that I saw the percentage was 12% raise. But I said, again, I'm not sure it's sustainable. It was a 13-day baseline and Absolutely. a four-day uh, delta. So maybe it doesn't last. 
But uh, the two reasons we did it was to stay consistent with the principles that we had stated when we were in opposition. Yes. And B, to actually uh, see if there would be some stimulus effect, much like the 4,000 rupees mm. that we gave uh, to the ration cards, the 8,000-something crores, yes. was actually the best thing we could do. We stimulated demand because we gave it to the poorest people at the time, which every economist all over the world tells you you We're should doing. do in a crisis like this. Fair point, sir. I mean, uh, I hope that the further data that comes out of Tamil Nadu also proves the point of the central government uh, that uh, this could be a, a stimulus uh, in terms of consumption and economic activity. Uh, speaking of the central government, uh, the, the GST compensation for uh, 22, uh, do you have a contingency plan in place in case the compensation formula is changed? Uh, any thoughts on that? Look, I, I'll say this three different ways. I think that when the law was written, it was written without contemplating systemic risk. It was only written to compensate for idiosyncratic risk. That's yes. the way the system is designed. Otherwise, it was a badly designed system to start with. Mm. Now, of course, nobody saw a, a big pandemic come. coming once in a lifetime, so I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions. I'm saying, so you designed a system for idiosyncratic risk. You ended up with systemic risk. Now the question is, how do you react to that? I would have said that the same outcome that the union government finally took, which was 7% uh, in cash and 7% in a, a low interest loan off your books coming back from the future says collections, et cetera, uh, was a relatively magnanimous thing. But they could have done it without seeming churlish and saying, no, no, it's the equivalent of force measure. It's the equivalent of act of God. No, there is no act of God in a union to state uh, agreement uh, enshrined in law. Yes. Right? Nobody puts in force measure clauses in the law between two governments, uh, at least between a union and, and a state, state government. government. So I think that it was handled badly. I think the outcome was not so bad. Mm. I think in the case of Tamil Nadu, we had some other structural problems. We went into GST after having two years of almost flat uh, commercial tax growth. That was a problem of maladministration. Mm. I pointed out in my white paper. So in that sense, we need the compensation. But in some other sense, uh, I've been on the record in multiple places that were we to manage our commercial tax department and cut down the, the uh, you know, pilferage and the malfeasance, I don't think we'd be eligible for much much compensation anyway. Oh, I think okay. we should be able to raise our taxes by 14% just by better administration, mm. uh, better audit, better checks and balances. Uh, reduced uh, fraud and, and malfeasance. Mm. So I'm not overly stressed whichever mechanism the union takes. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure that I'll be eligible for it uh, if we do Anyways. our job right. Okay, okay. That's good to hear. Uh, you know, I still had invited you to understand, because you're both a finance expert as well as a policymaker, what is your uh, thought as a finance expert on the asset monetization idea itself? I know it's not your baby. First, uh, no, 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 no. I, I agree. I agree. I want to say a few things. But first, I would uh, not so much claim that I'm any expert in anything. Right? I had some experience in the industry. I'll leave it to others to say to what level of skill. Uh, but a few thoughts, just just so I put it out there. Maybe a, a political thought, a kind of a professional thought, okay, and then kind of an operational thought. Mm. A political thought, it occurs to me that people who came to power saying that nothing has been done for 70 years and we're going to change the world mm. are now effectively monetizing the family's silver. Okay. So I think it belies their political position and it just shows that there was a lot of progress made in the predecessor regimes, which is the reality. You cannot deny that. Mm. You're now proving it yourself. Okay. 
The professional thought is that I'm not sure that these are the assets that I would try to monetize, at least in this manner, when you've already had a track record of very poor monetization uh, relative to your goals for the last few years of relatively easy to monetize things like public sector undertakings. Yes. Now you're going into things like roads and railways and airports and all these things which have you know strategic consequences, which have uh, uh, citizen experience consequences. Yes. And uh, you know, I, it, to me, it just seems uh, not the right thing to do. And uh, just my personal opinion, in the sense that. Uh, you know, would you go and start announcing a pipeline of six lakh crores when you're only going to do 80,000 crores? Does that actually hinder or hurt your valuations if you go ahead and announce that you have such a big pipeline? And at least my understanding of finance, what little, you know, my couple of decades experience in the global markets, a lot of the valuation of an asset, as you know, quantitatively, technically, scientifically, if you study basic finance, the valuation of an asset is the discounted value of all future cash flows that you expect from a free Absolutely. cash flow. Future free cash flows are dependent on the environment in which you operate, the stability of the country, the adherence to the rule of law, the standardized kind of method of treating people, the, the predictability of the justice system and of dispute resolution. When you have damaged all that, when you have a system that is not actually, you know, in most uh, scales, not doing that well on the democratic index, or not that well in terms of what it used to be and what it is now. There's very much more concentrated power in one hand and therefore more arbitrariness and more bias in outcomes. Okay. It's not clear to me that's the basis for any investor to come with great confidence and start to buy assets. I mean, real money. Okay. Now, if you say it's good for crony capitalism and selling at a discount to your uh, to your friends, Doc. maybe. <laughs> but were I to sell this, say, you know, professionally, I would say that we are not in a great environment to get full valuations. Now I go to operational level. Okay. From an operational level, it occurs to me that, uh, you know, these are not that easy to sell or easy to run as JV assets relative to, let's say, Air India, which they've been talking about for a long time. Mm. So if you've not had the, the, the success with that, mm. It's not clear to me how you get success with this. Okay. Now, that's a huge answer. I, I mean, I guess uh, it will require another debate or several debates uh, to discuss each of those points. But uh, yes, uh, uh, the uh, government is hopefully confident that uh, they should be able to do Air India this year. Uh, Dr. Tyagarajan, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much for joining us uh, with uh, a, a many-sided reply to several issues Thanks. that confront uh, state-to-state relations. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, with that, we wrap up on this special broadcast of uh, Finance Ministers. Many thanks for watching. But stay tuned to CNBC TV 18. Lots lined up.